everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. I am sick of paying taxes, and it turns out I'm in good company. Uh, Even back in Jesus' day, the Pharisees hated paying taxes, and they wanted to find a religious way to get out of it. Today, we're looking at Matthew 22 and Mark 12. The two passages actually parallel each other very closely. Sometimes we read uh, different stories in different texts, but these these two texts are very closely related. And it kicks off um, with what Jenny said is the most exciting part of the reading, a story about taxes. I don't know if it's the most exciting. It definitely caught my interest, though. Uh, when you look at this part of the text, I noticed right away that some of the Pharisees and the Herodians tried to trap him. So what's interesting about that is that I think they're like, they're taking out all the stops at this point. They're like throwing anybody they can at Jesus to try to catch him in something. Because right now they're trying to take a a like religious issue, if you will, as far as like the question coming from the sa- or excuse me from the Pharisees, as well a political view, and trying to mash the two together and saying, "Okay, Jesus, now what?" It's like one of those really awkward questions that you like try to avoid completely because there are weird things that are trying to be like twisted up to trap you, no matter what you say. However, what I love is the last verse of this section. In, let's see, verse 17, at the end, it says they marveled at him because what he does is he understands and knows where they're they're trying to take this and he stops them in their tracks and just says, you know what, like give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And you can't argue with that because it like it puts them in their place because you should be concerned of the things of God. And if the world wants your money, give it whatever. Who cares? Like. You're not bound to any of that. So it is it is crazy how they think they've like totally nailed it. Like, this is how we're going to get him. And he turns it totally around and just like not what they expect at all. It is notable that these two chapters, uh, the one in Matthew and the one in Mark, they're both full of question and answer sessions. And by the end of both chapters, it says basically like people did not ask Jesus any more <laughs> they questions. They were done after asking. That. Yeah. So they kind of like get to this moment of blitzing him with all their questions. And then they're like, okay, this is not going to work. We're we're Mm -hmm. not going to trick this guy. Um, But I I resonate with the idea that like give unto Caesar, what is Caesar's like that dollar in your pocket. Mm -hmm. It has value because the government says it has value. Like the, you know, George Washington on it brings it value. That's not really what God's concerned about. And it's not to say it doesn't affect us. Obviously it does. Um, But Jesus has taught many times that, loving money and worshiping money is only going to bring you to ruin. Mm -hmm. And we can assume that this lesson would have cut to the hearts of these Pharisees who we've seen over and over again are very concerned about their, their money, their possessions and their power. And so this is, this is a, in this day, a pretty scandalous thing to teach. Like, yeah, it's Caesar's face. Give it back to him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think it's also notable that like I was saying earlier, they're just throwing everyone at him. So that was just, the Pharisees and the Herodians. The next section is the Sadducees. Then we have the scribes. Like everyone is coming for Jesus. So again, I think we're seeing that tension again of we're getting nearer and nearer and nearer because now it's it's not just one group of people coming That's after true. him. It's like all of them at once. So one thing that's sticking out to me is there is this interesting exchange about marriage in heaven. <laughs> um, Those were the Sadducees. It's, it's interesting for a bunch of different reasons. 
But the reason it's getting my attention today as I'm reading it is lately on like TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, like all the whatever, the meme world, um, there's this thing going around religious circles saying that it, it's kind of this image of Jesus and it says basically like love over verses. So like we we love because Jesus chose to love. And it has kind of this feel to it. And I don't know if you're familiar, if you've seen it, or if you've heard some conversations around it, but it sort of has this feel of, you know what? We don't need to worry about specific beliefs. We don't need to worry about um, specific passages. We just know that God is love and therefore we love. So are you saying Jesus over like literal verses yes. from the Bible? Okay. Yes. And the, I wasn't sure where the, idea, the idea behind it and the way that it's used is basically let's, let's stay out of these doctrinal debates. Let's not worry about um, the details and the specifics. Let's just love people like Jesus loved people. That is so dangerous. It is so dangerous. And it's not at all what Jesus did. And that's that that has been on my mind because I've been seeing it make its rounds. But then I'm reading this passage. I'm thinking, ha, Jesus is using this conversation to correct a doctrinal issue and a doctrinal error. Which is? The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, and the Sadducees had like a weird belief about heaven and what it meant to be a part of heaven. And so the Sadducees trying to defend their doctrinal position. Which was what? what was their which position? was there is no resurrection. When you're dead, you're dead. And when you're in heaven, like it's it's like this whole separate thing that's like just incomprehensible. Um, but they're they're not really asking because they're curious about marriage. Right. They're asking because they want Jesus to look like a fool so that they win the day with their doctrinal position. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus does is very tactfully and very wisely destroy their doctrinal position. So this idea that that people that care about doctrine and people that care about um, verses and positions and opinions and beliefs, the, the idea that they're just annoying and they're just trying to separate believers, I don't think Jesus would be into that. Like I think we see over and over again, Jesus is confronting false teaching and false beliefs. And he's not like, I guess you could say he's not a jerk about it, maybe. I mean, he does like publicly embarrass these people. Uh, but he calls it out every time that he can. And so he calls it out here, basically telling them like, you guys missed it. God is not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. And when you're married or when, you, when you're married, when you're resurrected in heaven, um, you have an existence like that of the angels mm -hmm. and you're not going to be worried about who you're married to. So Jesus actually corrects two doctrinal positions that they have very tactfully. And I think it's, it shows that like, yeah, like there's no question that Jesus showed love to people, but he also taught truth and defended truth. Well, I think because sometimes we hear Pharisees, Sadducees, we put them in a weird box that like they were the only ones concerned about the scriptures, yeah, but yeah. holy crap, Jesus is literally fulfilling prophecy after prophecy Correct. from the old Testament. He uses many verses from the, like his ministry is knowing scripture period and telling people about it. And the love that he has for them and will eventually fulfill through dying on the cross. Like, without scripture, Jesus' ministry would have actually looked incredibly different. Isn't that so crazy, too? Like, yeah. for some reason, we get this really strange idea that anybody who's concerned with, with like, sound biblical teaching and sound doctrine 
is in like this weird Sadducees box and Pharisees exactly. box. And it's not like that. These yeah. guys were actually using scripture against people. They were false teachers. Right. They had a false belief. Right. Not using it to edify others. And really, to take it even further, they're confronting Jesus to confirm their false they're belief. False, they yeah. want to make him look like a fool because he doesn't support their position. And so I think, man, just be careful about that stuff. Like when people, it's easy to resonate with arguments like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like love over verses. We don't, we don't need to argue with each other. We just need to love. It's like, um, there is a right and wrong. And there is such a thing as true and not true. And Jesus even actually, like Jesus uses scripture. He says in verse 26, Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So like Jesus like jumps right in, confronts them, informs them that they are wrong, uses the Bible, uses God's word Mm -hmm. to show them that they are wrong, and corrects their false doctrine. So I think, you know, we want to be wise with that. We don't want to be jerks about it, but it's not wrong to correct error. It's actually a loving thing to do. Well, I think it's also important to recognize something that you and I have been talking about outside of the podcast also is this idea of if your belief system is not uniquely Christian, like you're no different than any other like good hearted group or other religion that is all for the good works you've done and treating each other with love and just accepting, like, what what makes you any different? What makes you like the people of Israel who were supposed to be this shining example? You know what I mean? Like, what what it's, makes you stand out? It's particularly important in our culture and context. So one of my favorite questions to ask, and this is what you're referring to, is, is that uniquely Christian? Mm-hmm. Like, are you teaching something that is explicitly Christian or are you teaching something that sounds good to everybody? Right. Because we live in like a, a pluralistic society where like everything counts, everything matters. We live in a postmodern society, a post-truth society where um, truth is relative. Everybody gets to decide what is real and what isn't. We need to be very careful of things that are not uniquely Christian because they are easy lessons to teach, but they are deceiving at the same time. So what I found is it's just it's just a really easy, simple question. When you hear somebody teaching something, you think to yourself, is that uniquely Christian? And if it is, it's most likely like a good thing. And if it's not, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means it's something you should have a little bit of caution about believing or consuming. Or have evidence to back yeah. it up. Yeah. Within scripture. Yep. <laughs> so one final just interesting thing that I, ma- I want to make sure I point out. Um, people like to say that Jesus basically said, um, love the Lord your God your, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and then people like to teach that Jesus added, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, oh, it's so mm-hmm. cool that Jesus made it about more than just loving God. He said you need to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not true that Jesus invented that. That's literally like him quoting from the law all the way back in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. So Jesus does not invent some kind of new way. 
He's just reminding the people of what God has commanded them to do. And the reason that's important is because it protects us from believing the Old Testament God is like Different. grumpy and old fashioned mm-hmm. and not relevant. And New Testament Jesus is so much better. New Testament Jesus over and over and over confirms that he is in fact also uh, in, in the same person, in the same likeness, in the same trinity of Old Testament God and therefore teaches the same thing that Old Testament mm-hmm. God teaches. So I, I want to call that out because I think it's it's a really important thing to recognize um, that God from the very beginning has called us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also to love our neighbors as ourselves, which I guess is a great your part for today. <laughs> uh, maybe I set myself up there. I thought you were doing that, actually. Yeah. So I, it's very simple. Like we need to love God. And I think uh, like kind of a fun exercise is all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. What does it look like to love God with all of each of those things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's worth thinking, like write them down and look at them and say, am I loving God with all of this? And then am I loving my neighbor as yourself? And Jesus has already defined who is my neighbor. It's basically everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, take that to heart. See what you can do. Um, maybe there's room for you to grow. And if you do need to grow, just remember that the Holy Spirit will lead you and sanctify you and grow you along the way. So hopefully you got something out of today's reading. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's plan, your part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Matthew chapter 22. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited are not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, He saw there a man who had no wedding garment, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words, and they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, We know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. 
Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him, and they went away. The same day Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up the offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, you have not read what was said to you by God. I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it that David in the Spirit calls him the Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Mark chapter 12 And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, and put a fence around it, and dug a pit for the winepress, and built a tower, and leased it to tenants, and went into another country. When the season came, he sent out a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him, and beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent them to another servant, and they struck him on the head, and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and they had him killed. And so with many others, some they beat, and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally he sent them to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out to the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came to him and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. 
And he said to them, Whose likeness is the inscription on this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And the Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but has no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, he left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not a God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all understanding and with all strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord say to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under my feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces. You have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.